This podcast was recorded Thursday, February 29th at 10.32 a.m. Things may have changed by the time you hear this. Yeah, like an annual physical exam will find that the president is not the picture of near-perfect health. Let's talk politics. This is Snollygoster, WOSU Public Media's weekly look at Ohio politics and all those Snollygosters, those shrewd politicians who love leap years because it gives them an extra day to campaign, to raise money, to run TV ads that we all enjoy so much. I'm Mike Thompson. Coming up in the podcast, Larry Householder's all-of-the-above appeal of his racketeering conviction. But first, we look to Ohio's northwest corner and the 9th Congressional District, now represented by Democrat Marcy Kaptur. Kaptur seeks her 22nd term in Congress, representing her Toledo-area district. For 10 years, it was a pretty safe Democrat district, the so-called snake on the lake, if you recall. Now it is much more compact and much more competitive, and Republicans think they have a shot to defeat her. They thought they had a shot in 2022, but J.R. Majewski upset the establishment candidates and won the GOP primary. Majewski was famous for painting a huge Trump 2020 sign on his lawn, which probably helped him win the Trump endorsement and the primary. But then it was reported that he fabricated his military service, something he denies he did, and then he lost to uh, Congresswoman Kaptur in the general election by 13 points. Well, Majewski is back. He's running against three men, former state rep Craig Riedel, who lost to Majewski in 2022, state rep Derek Merrin, the almost Speaker of the Ohio House, you'll remember, and former Napoleon Mayor Steve Lankadow. Republicans were already worried that Riedel and Merrin would split the vote and Majewski would win again. Then Majewski went on a podcast and said this. Yeah. I'll just say shout out to all the Democrats living in mom's basement and like talk shit on the internet. <laughs> um, you know, no matter how hard you try, arguing on the internet's like being in the Special Olympics. Oh, okay. No matter how good you perform, you you, you still have uh, you're still. <laughs> so, yeah, that's gonna get clipped and ran against me in the general election. But uh, well, you're not um, going to get the slow people vote. I can tell you that. Let's right. go. There you go. We bleeped it, but uh, Majewski called Special Olympic athletes effing R words, and he is right. The comments are being used against him. More mainstream Republicans are horrified that Majewski still could win. Joining us to discuss this race and the 9th Congressional District is longtime Northwest Ohio political observer, University of Toledo political science professor Sam Nelson. Sam, welcome to Snollygosta. Hi, thanks. As we said at the top, uh, things may have changed by the time you hear this, and there were reports earlier this week from Politico and others that J.R. Majewski might drop out of the race, but as of this recording, he says he is staying in. What did he say, uh, Professor Nelson, about why he's going? Why he's staying in? So he says he's staying in. He's basically blaming the whole controversy on you know the Washington establishment, um, and he's kind of excusing himself, saying, "I'm not a professional politician, uh, so you know sometimes I misspeak." Uh, he's apologized uh, for the comments, but of course, 
this is the second time that he's running for Congress. He's not exactly a, an amateur candidate at this point. He, he, he has run a campaign before. Yeah, my guess is the it's more than the Washington establishment that might be offended by those remarks that he he made in that podcast. So that yeah, goes absolutely. to the the mood of Republicans in Northwest Ohio. Uh, what is their mood right now about how this primary might shake out? Early voting is underway. Well, I think they're kind of freaked out. Um, there, you know, there are five uh, House seats currently held by Democrats um, in districts that have a Trump lean or a Republican lean. So these are the five districts that are the best hope to expand their majority in the House or to retain their majority in the House. Uh, and these kinds of controversies and candidates like Majewski really put uh, that plan uh, in danger. So we saw Marin uh, recruited into the race really late, which I think is a sign of that anxiety or panic about what's happening. Uh, and I think they they really want and need to win this race. But, you know, it's it, it's a tough race already uh, with Captor being a 40 year veteran. Uh, you don't get that way without knowing how to do politics. Uh, and uh, they may end up with the candidate who lost by 13 points last time. So in normal times, would, would Derek Marin be the favorite? You know, he's got a high profile statewide. Um, you know, Craig Riedel, also a well-known, well-respected uh, former state rep up there. Yeah, I mean, I think either of them is a stronger candidate uh, in the general election than Majewski. I think, yeah, I think Marin probably, uh, certainly on paper, would look like the strongest candidate. He got in so late means he hasn't raised anything like the kind of money that uh, Riedel has raised. Um, and, you know, a lot of early endorsements and things like that uh, went to Riedel. So Marin, um, you know, starts behind, but probably uh, in, you know, an ideal situation would be their strongest candidate. Has the uh, state party, has the, I guess Lucas County would be the largest uh, county party up there. Have they endorsed in, in this race? So Lucas County has endorsed Marin, uh, the Lucas County Republicans. The state party uh, is saying, no, we're, we're not endorsing uh, in the race. Uh, so, uh, but the, the Lucas County uh, Republican Party endorsement is probably the, the key one, because if you've got the, the county party uh, machinery uh, to help get out your vote uh, and reach your voters, uh, that's, that's a big advantage. And of course, the vast majority of uh, votes in the district are here in Lucas County. Donald Trump, has he officially endorsed Majewski in this race? He has not. Uh, he has not endorsed anybody in this race yet. He endorsed Majewski two years ago. So I guess, uh, you know, he's, he's still kind of he can still say uh, that he was endorsed by Trump two years ago. Uh, he's certainly working very hard uh, to lock down the, the Trump vote. Um, and Trump could endorse sometime between now and the primary. I don't remember exactly when it was, but uh, my recollection is, is two years ago, his endorsement came pretty late in the game uh, and was uh, ultimately decisive, I think, in that in that primary. Yeah, you wonder if that might happen again. But other high-profile Republicans have endorsed Majewski. Uh, J.D. Vance, uh, Matt Gates also has Mike Flynn, the former national security uh, advisor for President Trump's administration. They have not backed off their endorsements, or have I missed something? Uh, not that I have seen. Uh, there were... Uh, Couple of people who who backed off endorsements, you know, in in the state, but I don't think those those bigger names uh, have really changed their their endorsements or their their support for Majewski. 
So tell us about this district. Uh, Donald Trump won it by three points in 2020. So it, it's much more competitive, uh, as I said, than it was during the 2010s when there was the so-called snake on the lake, that really long, thin district that stretched from Toledo to really nearly to Cleveland. Uh, this this is a more of a, a more competitive. And would you say it's a, a Trump district or toss up? It's it's more of a toss up, I think. Yeah, he he won the district by three points last time. It wasn't the district yet, but we can do the math and figure out what it would have been. Um, but you know, it's it, it's pretty fifty fifty. Um, Chapter's got forty years, so that's a big incumbency advantage. She knows everybody. You know, she's been involved in so many projects around, so that probably negates a little bit of the partisan lean of the district um, to to her advantage. Uh, but there are lots and lots of Trump voters here, and Trump will be on the ballot in November. Uh, so uh, I think that it, it looks different than it did in 22 when when he wasn't on the ballot. So a candidate, candidate like J.R. Majewski, who is not a professional politician, self-proclaimed, who is willing to say outrageous things, much like former President Trump is willing to say, how does he, he resonates up there among a certain number of voters, Republican voters especially. Yeah, I mean, I think stylistically, he, he's got the same appeal Trump does uh, with Trump's base voters. Uh, and so, you know, that's a big advantage in, in a Republican primary, where really, the issue in the primary is Trump, uh, and, and su- support or loyalty to Trump. Um, and Majewski just, you know, he's got a Trump vibe, uh, if you want to call it that. Um, and that's one reason why, you know, maybe these offensive remarks that he's apologized for, maybe they don't hurt him. Um, because offensive remarks don't seem to hurt Trump much uh, with his supporters. Maybe the same dynamic applies here. For those of us around other parts of the state, we can't watch television in Toledo. Are the ads up in this primary? Yeah, there there are definitely ads up, um, and you know you're, you're seeing things uh, different places. That it's not a level playing field. Um, Riedel had raised the most money. Marin's got money coming in. We haven't seen his campaign finance reports. Um, because because he hasn't been in long enough to to file one. Uh, Majewski does not have the kind of money that he had, uh, say, in the general election two years ago. Um, but you know, um, they're hitting the ads and they're hitting kind of the the issues that you would expect looking at uh, house races nationally. You know, things like immigration uh, and uh, trans politics uh, and and things like that are are the the, the key features and and going after Biden, um, linking Marcy Captor to Joe Biden. That's a, a big feature. Yeah, I did see one of Craig Riedel's ads uh, online. And it, it's it's a it's a textbook. You see the wall. You see the grainy picture of Joe Biden. You see the grainy picture of Marcy Captor. And you say we need to shut down the border. And it's a very uh, sort of a textbook pro Trump Republican ad uh, that, that Craig Riedel is running. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there's, you know, as far as I can tell, there aren't a lot of local issues in this race. And we wouldn't really expect there to be at this point, house races are really nationalized. And the themes that you're seeing nationwide are the themes that are being played out in the the local races. So that turns the that turns our attention to Marcy Kaptur. She's been in office for a long time, longest serving woman in longest serving woman in Congress. She has been very popular. Uh, You know, she only won by 13 points uh, two years ago, but most of her margins of victories have been like, you know, 60, 40, even 70, 30 at at times. 
does that hurt her when it's a nationalized election? Because she, I'm guessing, has been very strong in constituent services and helping her local district over these years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she, she's a, um, just a, a textbook uh, constituent service uh, professional uh, house member. Um, and you do the things that uh, that you do to, to get reelected over and over. Um, the district has been drawn, uh, you know, in, in various redistricting to be a safe Democratic seat to open up Republican opportunities in, in other seats. Um, she knows everybody. She's been everywhere. How many ribbon cuttings has Marcy Kaptur been in in this uh, part of the state? You know, yeah. how many uh, people have met her? Uh, and things like that. So that's that's a big advantage. She's also very much a middle of the pack Democrat in terms of ideology. Um, she's somewhat on the more conservative side uh, within the Democratic Party. Uh, so it's it's not an easy thing to tag her. Uh, nobody's going to call Marcy Kaptur woke. Um, nobody's going to you know really be able to make it stick to call her. A radical leftist or something like that. It's just not her voting record. And it's not what people know from, I mean, most voters in Northwest Ohio have grown up with Marcy Kaptur being the only representative in the district they've ever known. She is 77 years old, same as Mike DeWine, same as Donald Trump. Is her age a factor? Is is her longevity, could that be used against her? Will that be a factor in voters saying, you know, maybe it's time for something, someone new? I um that that's always a, a line that a challenger can make when they're challenging somebody who's been around a long time. I don't think age in itself makes much difference. There doesn't seem to be any evidence that uh, age is affecting people's vote choice in House races and Senate races and things like that. For all the people wanted to talk about it in the presidential, it doesn't seem to matter to voters uh, in legislative races. But sure, um, any <clears throat> any of the Republican candidates. Um, who win uh, this primary are going to be able to uh, make the argument, uh, it's time for change in Washington. You know, Marcy Kaptur has been around too long. Let's do something different. Um, that's that's a, you know, standard playbook message uh, for a challenging candidate. Yeah, career politicians who attacks against long career politicians by folks who are short career politicians. <laughs> we'll see right. that in the uh, in the U.S. Senate race, too, especially if, a, if someone like uh, uh, Frank LaRose wins the nomination there. But uh, anyway, uh, thanks very much. We'd like to thank University of Toledo political science professor Sam Nelson for joining us, giving us a glimpse of uh, the 9th congressional district up there in northwest Ohio, perhaps the most interesting primary of the, of the bunch uh, <laughs> this primary season. Thanks very much. Yeah, thank you. We'll be right back. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, we're taking center stage. Introducing NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of Black-led stories from NPR's podcasts. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts. Time now for our Snollygoster of the Week segment, where we honor the shrewdest politician or political move of the past week. And this week it goes to a former politician, former House Speaker Larry Householder. is about six months into his 20-year federal prison sentence for spearheading the largest bribery scandal in Ohio history. He is appealing his conviction of accepting bribes from First Energy in return for helping pass legislation to bail out two of First Energy's nuclear power plants. Here's the reason why he and his attorneys think his conviction should be tossed. We should say, here are the reasons. Grab a pencil. 
Householders attorneys claim prosecutors never proved quid pro quo. They argue accepting $60 million in campaign contributions and making public policy decisions that benefit the donor of that money is not automatically a crime. They also argue the judge improperly played recordings of Householder using bad words and threatening rivals. The judge improperly told jurors that his co-conspirators pleaded guilty. The judge dismissed a juror for refusing to get a COVID test and wear a mask. The judge gave jurors improper instructions. The judge improperly imposed the maximum sentence. And finally, the judge was biased against Householder and should have recused himself. Let's just say it is a comprehensive appeal. It is 105 pages long. But before you say he has no chance, other public officials convicted of corruption have succeeded with comparable appeals. But for basically arguing that being a snollygoster is not a crime, Larry Householder gets our Snollygoster of the Week Award. That will do it for this week's edition of Snollygoster, which is part of the NPR Network. As always, please be sure to give us a good review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and just tell your friends about us. We're going to be off next week. It's, uh, it's my spring break, so we're going to take next week off, so look for us in two weeks. Until then, for our student producer, Katie Genius, our digital producer, Michael DeBonis, and our audio engineer, Dalton Jones, I'm Mike Thompson for Snollygoster from WOSU Public Media.